This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome to The Great Unlearn. Join me, your host, Cal, as we dive deep into understanding and undoing the programming within us. Let's find your inner truth for a life with newfound purpose and freedom. Get ready to question it all in The Great Unlearn. Okay, welcome back to The Great Unlearn. This week is, when I say it's a special episode, this is the most special episode. This is my wife and I sat down for a conversation. And now, so this is not Peyton's um, guest appearance on The Great Unlearned. That will come at another time. This is us coming on and talking about our relationship. And it's something we've been meaning to do since I launched the podcast. And I'm really glad we waited till now because as we've continued to do our work, we have a much better understanding of what our struggles were and what they continue to be. And so um, we go deep into back in October of 2018, why we decided to end our old relationship. And we actually started a new one. Um, and it really, how it released us of our roles and how that was a really a fresh start for all of us. Um, we talk about the difference between compromise and collaboration and how we are intending to shift from compromise to collaboration so that we can both get what we really want. Um, and what what really has started to have been birthed from this very episode is Peyton and I have recently released a, a little bit of a YouTube series called Coffee, Cocktails, and Conversations with the Callahans. And this is a more of a daily thing where we sit down and we just share what's going on with us as far as parenting, relationships, our views on life, health, wellness. We kind of cover it all. We read some stuff. Uh, to one another that's really inspiring to us, and then we kind of dig into it. So all in all, this was an amazing conversation. It was a great experience for me to finally welcome Peyton on. Um, and like I said, she will come back on as Peyton Callahan and to share all the work that she's been doing with women and young girls. Um, but this episode, this is about us and what we've, um, what we've really been working on. And hopefully we're, we're able to shed some light for the rest of you out there to let you know, like we're all in this, in, the, in this thing together and it's not easy. And, um, there's help around the corner and we can, re we can rely on one another. So enjoy this episode. Much love y'all. Okay. So today's podcast is a little different. I'm welcoming on my wife, Peyton Callahan. And um, while she's going to be a guest and talk about the work that she's doing with women and teenage girls um, as, as a conscious coach, that podcast is for another time. We've been meaning to do this particular podcast, which is about our relationship, what we've learned over the 20 plus years that we've been together. Uh, we just celebrated 20, a 20 year anniversary and, um, yeah, we've been pretty open and honest about the struggles we've had and the, I guess the triumphs we've had, the wins, the insights as a way to let others know that 
this isn't easy, even even our relationship, which I think a lot of people would say, hashtag relationship goals. And I while I appreciate all those comments, um, and I think public facing, there was a lot of um, great stuff for us. I think it just speaks to how we don't really know what's going on at home. And the more you live the public lie, the more resistance and as a result, the more suffering you really feel because you become so out of alignment with what is actually happening. And um, fortunately, we didn't just cut bait and decide it wasn't worth salvaging. Now, granted, there were a few different times that we had the, this isn't working. Um, each time it came from Peyton. So I'm super grateful that she had the the courage to step up and say something because I, I frankly was fairly unconscious to what was going on. So anyway, we're going to get into all that. So I wanted to set the stage a little bit, introduce her, and we're, we're going to get right into it. Um, Really just, you know, Peyton, there's a few different points of entry with where shit was not right. And it was very clear for her. Uh, I laugh about it now because there's been a, a lot of that has been healed and, and healed trauma. You know, that is medicine in, in, in our view. And so we want to share those periods that, you know, our relationship experienced that trauma. And sometimes we dealt with it in a really good mindful way and, and other times there was escaping and numbing and, and, and other things. So we did it all. Um, but today we're, we're kind of well aware of our, the, the, the pain points in our particular relationship and have, and have really just in the last couple of weeks had some really open and amazing conversations that we've just never had before and we've really put down our guard which has been probably the biggest thing. And so we'll get into that later. Anyway, it's enough out of me. Uh, I think, like I said, let's, what, what, whatever story you feel called to tell, like, let's, let's talk about that. Okay. Um, as you mentioned in your intro, um, you mentioned like how you present yourself to the outside world. And I think with us, we weren't trying to be something. It wasn't a false front. I think um, what it was is it's it's so hard to read the label when you're inside the bottle. And um, I know at least- Explain that for people because I think it's a, a great saying, but I, I don't I, know if you lost. I, I didn't know how sad I was. I didn't realize how unhappy I was in our relationship until I had a few um, brave friends who I refer to as teachers who didn't let me lie to myself. And um, slowly those people appeared in my life to kind of give me that shoulder shake and say, are you good? This is what I'm seeing. Um, and I had a few of those teachers come into my life um, but I guess I'll start 
um, October 2017, and um, we had a lot going on. We had just moved into a home, um, started the school year, so every parent can relate to the the kind of craziness there. Um, but I had planned to see um, a, a life coach that day, and um, we had friends coming in town to go to the Justin Timberlake concert, and I called her and I'm like, um, she, she does some intuitive work as well. And I said, I, you know, we have company coming to town. I'm going to be late. I haven't showered. I was trying to give every excuse. In the Just book. help you what intuitive work is. Um, she is a conscious coach. She, uh, channels. And so she had prior to my arrival, um, kind of tapped into my energy field to see what was coming up for me that I may not be conscious of. So she, I would describe her as like um, a conscious conduit, a catalyst. So someone who can kind of maybe see what's going on that may not be in your awareness. So it's kind of like the work that I do, but um, again, I can't work on myself. So um, she goes, you know what? I'm ready for you and just come on, just, just show up show up for yourself. So I did. And as I was walking in her home, she cut me off and uh, stopped me before I came in. And she said, um, Peyton, I just want you to know that a significant relationship in your life is coming to an end and you're having a lot of resistance around it. So today may be a hard day for you. And I was like, what has she been talking about? Like, is my dad not well? Never crossed my mind that it would be our relationship, you, anything. So I'm like, got this. I'm good. I'm good. Let's go. Let's get to work. And um, so we sat together for a couple of hours. Um, and just to, for me to set the stage briefly, the summer of 2017 was a very disconnected summer for me. And for me. Yeah, for us. for us. But like, I didn't even know how disconnected you were because I was so disconnected. And so for you to be so surprised is, I guess, surprising on the one hand because I was checked out. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to paint a picture like it, it that there were definitely the tea leaves were saying that I was not in a great place. Yeah. But that being said, I wasn't either. And, um, one of the things that she referred to in our session together, um, was, um, when are you going to realize that the patient on the table is you? She had that written before I got there. And, um, we talk a little bit, I leave, Still, like, what is she even talking about? Still, not you. She even brings you into the conversation. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Again, she said, you're resisting. Mm -hmm. So um, still, you know, you never came into play in that conversation. Um, and fast forward to the next night, we're at a concert. We're with some dear friends here. Um, and you kind of disappear. And one of our, our dear friends um, 
Turtz puts his arms around me, wanted to make sure I was having a good time. How you doing? Where's Cal? And I'm like, I don't know. And it hit me right at that moment. The tears poured and it hit me. This, this is what Alana was speaking of. This is the relationship that's coming to an end. I am so sad. I feel so alone. I don't know where he is. He's not here with me. He hasn't been here with me. And I can't go on like this anymore. And I just cried all the way after the concert ended to the car, walking in the dark, tears pouring, knowing the next day I had to discuss it with you. So. Yeah. And I wonder if part of your not seeing it in the first place was if, 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 you know, earlier that month I had been in Las Vegas at the shooting and if, if that had just. And, but tell people that if they. Yeah. So I was, um, real briefly, I was at the route 91, um, festival when, um, the shooter from, uh, I'm even blanking on, I think it was MGM. Anyway, shot on the concert goers and killed over 50 people and injured over 400. So anyway, I was there at the, at the event. I was fine. Um, but the reaction from you and from my mom who was staying with us at the time was just so grateful that I was alive where me and the experience, I didn't look at it that way. I was, it was, it was, I just wonder if it had reframed things where it, it almost gave you a false sense of like, there was more, that, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to unpack if there was something that triggered in our relationship and your way that, that maybe you had viewed me um, that I may have been gone, like in a real, obviously a, a more significant way than the relationship. Well, interestingly with when all of that happened, your mom was staying at our home with our niece and they came to wake me up to tell me about it before we got in touch with you. And Interestingly, I was very numb to it. The thought of losing a husband, the father and my children really didn't come into play. Um, your mother was struggling during those moments. And, and perhaps that's why, because she thought she had lost her baby, and I just tried to be the strength for her during that time um, that I didn't even put myself in that role. Um, you know, and once I heard your voice, it's like, move on. Like, he's alive. It's fine, you know. Um, but anyway, yeah, that um, perhaps that was something subtly that kind of shook us up a little bit. Um but I do remember the day after the concert, I was scheduled to be in Houston for uh, a workshop and I canceled it because I, I said, I, I can't go on another day feeling the way I feel, knowing what I now know without sharing it with you. And I was really nervous mm -hmm. to tell you, but I was very certain about it. Um, 
And I remember saying, I have to talk to you right now. So I wouldn't chicken out talking to you. Um, and just saying to you, whatever this is, mm-hmm. I can't do it anymore. And I don't expect you to be anyone other than who you are. But I don't want to be with this version of you. It's, it doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't feel right to our relationship. And I'm ready to walk away. I remember being completely surprised by it initially, but as, and it was a very brief conversation. I I was base. I was only listening. I don't think I said anything because I was stunned and didn't, I knew that there was nothing to say, um, that it wasn't about having a conversation. It was you saying your piece. And so once that initial shock wore off, I knew exactly what you were talking about. It's like, oh, fuck. Like, how, like, how did it, how did we get here? Like, what? Because it seemed to happen overnight in one sense, but it hadn't. It had been years mm-hmm. in the making. And so I just sat with that. And we, the following week. Um, well, I was were, scheduled to go out of town on Saturday on with two Saturday of our with children. Two of our kids mm-hmm. to go out to Palm Springs. And we had been invited to go to the Casamigos Halloween party. Okay. I, yeah. I, I had been invited because I'd been dying to go to this party. This, this is where I was at. I didn't want to miss anything, that, that FOMO, you know, the fear of missing out. And so um, fortunately at that point, the grip on my level of FOMO had loosened just enough where we, when we logistically couldn't work out the plans to go to LA and then get down to Palm Springs and, and, and it was just, it just wasn't working, I let it go. Um, but it was a it was a big moment in the relationship of it meant so much to you to try to make it happen. I had a scheduled trip for our children to go visit some of their best friends, and you know they didn't want me to disrupt those plans they had looked forward to for months, and um, and I stood firm and I said, I'm not going. Like we have plans. I don't, I'm fine not, you know, it's it's so sweet that we get to be invited. It would be super cool. You know, the back of my head's like costumes, what would we wear? But I'm good. And, um, but it's also, it was a realization for me. I'm like, really? Like this means that much? Like I can't. Yeah, so the, it, it, it wasn't like I had let go of the grip of the FOMO. I still had... Four four good fingers on it, um, but anyway, to be fair, I think there was a time where I would have just gone. Oh, okay. solo! Yes. I think I even said go by yourself. Yeah, good. and, and so, um, but I didn't, and 
the night I was supposed to be at the Halloween party, I ended up having my first psychedelic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I had had mushrooms before at music festivals and stuff like that. So, yes, those were psychedelic. But, I mean, an intentional, ceremonial, um, sacred, uh, you know, very kind of ritualistic uh, experience. Well, it was a way for you, you were hurting at that point. I remember you bringing it up to me a couple of days prior. Um, and you were using it as a tool as, you know, a medicinal tool of like, I need help. I'm hurting. And I've, I've read about this. I've heard about this. And you know, it's come in, it surfaced for you. And, um, I'm going to see if this will help. Like, you know, yeah, exactly. It and presented itself at the time for you. And it's one of those things I tell anybody who's, and has any curiosity around it. Like you'll know when it's time for you to go into that space, you'll just feel called. And I felt called. I felt like my marriage is falling apart. I have no idea what to do. There's something, I felt like there's something wrong with me because I'm hurting people. I'm not intending to do it, but I was hurting people and I was becoming more and more distant. And so this experience really, um, you know, just to give people framework, it, it allows you it can be an opportunity for you to see behind the veil of how you're showing up or not showing up. And so you see it without self-judgment, without the inner critic. You're just able to see it very matter-of-factly. And, and I, I saw very clearly how I had been casting a big shadow on the family and my needs and my wants and whatever the fuck I wanted was first and foremost. And I saw it literally in an in a in a vision, but it made perfect sense to me. That's that's kind of how I was. And um, there were a few other things that came up, you know. Um, but that was the big piece for me. And and you know, you're getting ready to leave the next day, and and I'm home with Jake for the week. Um, and it was one of the most amazing weeks we've ever had because I just had this shift of, of just seeing things differently. And what, what they, what they'll refer to it as is you're, you're, you get in these thought patterns and these way that, that you are, and you're supposed to be And over time, it's like going down a ski hill and the grooves, you just keep going down the same path every time. Groove, groove, every time it's the same thing. And so there's, it's really hard to get out of that thought loop, out of those patterns that un, it's really becomes unconscious patterning. Done properly, uh, an assisted psychedelic journey lays a fresh coat of powder on that ski hill. And so you just get to go down and have this completely different experience. And so they, they literally in science show new neurons and new neural pathways are firing that have never fired before. And the brain really lights up 
in a very positive way. It's not your fucking brain in the frying pan like an egg. This is your brain on drugs. It's that's fake news. Um, and so that was awesome. I was like, oh, okay, I, I got this figured out. Look at this. I got it. I'm fixed. Which that's the part they didn't tell me about is there's a lot of integration work that comes after that. After after recognizing that there's still so much of it's it's a glimpse into what's going on. It's not the fix. Um, there's still so many steps to take after that, um, which I found out the hard way um, a couple months later, which I'm sure we'll talk about it at Christmas time down in Mexico. But you were leaving the next day. I was leaving the next intention. day, and um, in my intention. The next day, I had been homeschooling two of our children, and I was going to stay with a friend, a very close friend, a teacher, a mentor. And um, my plan was to be there indefinitely until I could get my feet under me um, and just figure out what I wanted and to make a plan. And my friend knew none of this, so I... I remember I talked to you some um, before I left, but I just basically got on the plane. I cried the whole way there, wore my sunglasses. Our children asked what was wrong, and I'm just like, oh, I'm just feeling, you know, sad and happy that we get to see our friends and, you know, all the things to cover up. And I just showed up at our our friend's doorstep um, in tears, and I just said, I'm hurting and I'm here. And she took in the kids and said, you be here as long as you need to to heal. I got the kids um, and I'm gonna be here with you and um, we're gonna do what you gotta do. So um, having people in your life who you know you can show up on their doorstep and say, I'm hurting and I just need to be here to feel all the things I need to feel um, and be surrounded and love um, was the medicine I needed at that time. So, you know, I think our journeys looked a little different, but... Um, well, uh, we had had a long conversation that morning, and I was like, okay, fuck it. I mean, everything I said was just owning all this shit. It's like, okay, like, okay, this is a start. Like, I see it. I finally, I'm finally, like, conscious to all the ways that I'm fumbling this thing and that's a being obviously being very nice to say fumble but um but, but again that's the disconnect you're just like no like well I, and i was becoming aware of all the ways that i had made accommodations for us in our relationship out of fear that um well I was approaching my decisions, well, okay, if I let Cal do whatever he wants to do, if I let him go on the, you know, support him going on these guys' trips, if I support him, then I'm the cool wife and I'm, you know, the the mom who's fine, you know, managing the house and I'm all that. And, and if I do these things, then he, he won't leave me. Um, and... I realized that a lot of the decisions I was making and accommodations I was making in our relationships was out of fear of 
you leaving me for someone else. Um, and it, I just didn't realize it. And so, I mean, yes, I'm a very positive person and I want you to go do your things and I want you to be with your friends. I certainly value that time that I spend with my girlfriends and my girls weekends, but it was different. It was, it was supporting all the things that you did in hopes that you would think I was just the coolest thing in the world and not leave me. So I knew I had to find my way back to love. I had to find my way back to who I was and start finding that love again within myself so that I wasn't in a relationship out of fear, right? Because that was my way of having grips on things. So a couple things come up, just trying to maybe bring it home for people listening. Not saying like, what would you do differently? But knowing what you know now, and let's say you, you don't feel comfortable going to your partner, like, what do you suggest? Like, when would you have started to share? Because I feel like a lot of what you were feeling you just kept to yourself, you tried to deal with it. Like what was going through your mind that told you that you should deal with this on your own versus obviously coming to your partner, which is hard when they have no idea. There's a lack of connection there, but like going to your, your, the people where today we know we have friends that we can go to. I think back then where I was at was, Less of like when things weren't going that well between us, I wasn't really sharing it with people. I was maybe bitching a little bit, but I, I wasn't like, man, I like this is what's happening today. If you know, like a month ago when we were off, I reached out to a couple buddies, like, this is this is what's going on. Like, what, what, like, wait, like, what am I doing wrong here? It's like, well, maybe her needs aren't being met. It's like, oh. Yeah, they aren't. Like, I'm so focused on other things right now that I, I'm not, I don't have balance in the relationship. Okay. And so then I was able to, I, I, it made sense to me. Um, it wasn't like, man, that sucks. It sucks that she's being a bitch or whatever, right? Which, not necessarily saying that's what my friends would have said in the past, but today there's, the conversations are much different. And, and we don't let, them as a group of brothers we don't let them get to the point anymore we, we we start to feel something and we throw it out to the guys like hey now the the next step is as soon as you're feeling something and this is where i feel like we've come over the last this is really new like the last couple of weeks when something feels off we start to just hey what's going on um, and I think that's where we are intending to take the relationship rather than try to deal with stuff. And Well, I was afraid to, you know, I was afraid to come to you um, and be vulnerable. You know, I, I didn't want to appear needy. I didn't want to appear like this, you know, like I got it together. I can handle my stuff. I'm good. I mean, my friends can all say that I have this enormous network of women who 
have me. I feel like I don't have, I don't go to them as much as I could. Um, but I know they're there and they lift me up enormously. So I, um, I do, I try to deal with a lot myself, always have, um, since I can remember, um, I always try to self-process. So like deal with it my own and then kind of come out clean and be like, oh yeah, well, I got over this, right? It was my way of gaining control and feeling empowered, right? This came up, I, this is how I deal with it. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, we have close friends that are married. And so I remember being at one of their homes and just being so sad and sharing it and our friends saying, what your friend, you know, and um, the husband being like, why don't I know this? Like, this is going on. Why don't I know this? Why hasn't Cal shared this with me? I'm get. it's like two different stories. Um, and I just diverted. So I don't know where you are, but, um, no, and I think part of that again was, was me being, in a, a fairly unconscious state. And I've, and I've had this, it was, this has been asked before, like, what do you do when you have a partner mm -hmm. that was me, you know, who, who has just kind of lost his way and just, mm. right? Is that, I mean, is that how you would characterize it? Because mm. well, it, it, it's hard, it's hard to put your finger on it but there's just like a, it becomes a different version. Um, and we've talked about this even recently. Um, well, a couple things come up for me yeah. when you say that. Um, I think we got a little off track. I do want to circle back to a couple things about how I started feeling that I needed help in. Um, but a couple things come up for me. A wise woman once told me, she said, girl, you ain't wearing a diaper, you can't change them. And that's exactly it. In a relationship, you're responsible for your half of the relationship. So when someone's like, what did you do to change him? What did you, you know, did you put an ultimatum? Any of that? No, no, because I can, I'm only responsible for my part of the relationship. I, who am I to have the authority of telling you of how you should be? Who are any of us to have an authority of telling another person, another being who they should be? Doesn't mean I have to stay in a relationship with them. It doesn't have mean, but I can't tell you how you should be. Um, I can identify what I want in a partner. I can identify that, but, um, I can't change you. I can't make you change. All I can do is show up the best version of myself. And, and we talked about that. I got to a point where I realized, you know, you're, you weren't getting the best version of me. You were getting, you weren't getting the fun, loving, playful, sweet, version that most of our friends get, you were getting a very bitter, tired, drained version of me, which that couldn't have felt good. 
you know, you come home from a trip, you're all lit up and I'm, I'm putting you back in your place and then some, that's not fun to be around. I'd be booking my next trip out of here again. I, I got that. So that couldn't have been easy to live with. I can, I can own that. But, you know, you see, you see a lot in relationships when couples separate, what happens? Mm-hmm. They, when, when couples separate, you know, I, I see it in either clients or friends where they're now really taking care of their health. They're dialed in on, on the foods they're consuming, on, you know, doing things that are fulfilling. They're taking that class that they've always wanted to take because they didn't feel they could in their relationship or maybe didn't ask for what they needed or wanted even. Um, And they start making themselves a priority. And I didn't want to give someone new a better version of myself. I felt like you and our relationship deserve that. That I had to, I wanted to give you out of respect and out of respect for our relationship, the, the best version of myself. And I hadn't been the best version of myself. I was hurting. I was tired. I, I wasn't asking for what I needed. I, I, you know, and I just, I knew I had to start taking care of myself and to give our relationship a try. And when I knew I had the strength to leave is when it gave me the option to stay. So I was like, okay, I've got this. I can do this. I can, you know, start loving myself. I can come into this relationship out of a lens of love and not out of fear. And I just slowly started to heal that. And, um, and, and with that came potential. I started seeing the potential in us. You know, for a while, I would meet other women and I would, I would start, my mind would start thinking, oh, I could see Cal, like finding her attractive. I could see him with her. And it, would, it started happening multiple times. And I started envisioning you being with other women and wanting other women and exacerbating that fear of that I wouldn't be wanted as we grew older and you would go be with someone else and you would leave me and, you know, I wouldn't be as desirable. So I was drawing in the very thing I was trying to avoid. And I didn't even realize it. And then it hit me, okay, have you ever imagined growing older in your relationship with him? No, I I was not seeing how the, the option of you loving me as we grew older, it wasn't an option. That wasn't in the repertoire, you know? And I was, thankfully, I was working with this 
incredible prosperity coach, um, therapist, energy worker, all the things who really helped guide me there um, to see that I really wasn't giving you an option of loving me as we grew older. I didn't see it, you know, Kismas, she helped me see that. And then, right, um, energy follows intention. Then I realized I'm drawn in the thing I'm trying to avoid and not even giving you and us a possibility, an option. So it was a huge mindset shift for me. Huge. Wasn't easy. Wasn't easy. It, it took me being vulnerable. It took me being receptive to your love. It took me trying to shed years of bitterness and anger. Um, but that was the shift that I had to make. You were on your own. You had to do your own personal work. Mm. And I just, you know, I hoped that we would find our way back together, but I didn't know. But I knew I had to let go to be able to see if I found that again. That makes sense. Yes, yeah, two couple things. One, no. Um, I want to kind of wrap the original story about our our relationship ending so i want to make sure we go to that but i think one of the things that i think a lot of relationships take for granted is that the other person oh we've been together 18 years 19 15 they should know what i want mm -hmm. and when we were we were at um at aubrey's for the paul selig reading so Paul's a conscious channel and um, yeah, and he's basically kind of channeled us and he's like, you two think that the other should know what you want and you don't speak what you actually need. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I don't remember this. Oh, 100%. It's like, that makes perfect sense. I remember him saying that you, that you show up with, I dare you. And I was like, oh, God. I think I even said that this morning. <laughs> I dare you. But it's like always, it's always like testing. From you, it was more like testing me to see if I would basically read your mind. He's like, that's nuts. There's yeah. no way. And then you layer in, like, you don't even know what's going on in your own mind, and then trying to read someone else's from the opposite gender. And, and I don't care how long you've known them. And it's how many, how often do we do that, right? We do it all the time. We still do it. But that that's like one of the things. If, you can bring awareness and just let your partner know what you really want. And I think for a man, it's challenging because we're not in, in our society not given permission. That's a vulnerability saying that I need something that I can't provide for myself. This is what I need from you. That is, you know, letting down your guard. It's doing whatever. Now I've done, a lot of work to let go of that stuff. Um, but it's still not my inclination to just turn to you and say, I really need this from you. Um, I still, there's a part of me that wants to be able to do it on my own, whatever it is. And um, 
yeah, it's it's just a it, it it's a false kind of construct that I think a lot of men fall into, and I think I can't speak for women, um, but just from what Paul had said, it was more like, you should know what I want, and right because I didn't want to ask, I didn't want in my in my mind communicating my needs was a weakness in my mind communicating my needs was a weakness and um i didn't want to show up that way i wanted you to just see me and be attentive because I felt like sometimes, sometimes I know what people need without them telling me. And I just assume other people can too. And me asking you for something felt like a weakness to me. And I think. And now I'm learning that I have to communicate with my words, with with you and my vulnerability that I need this. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a great point. I think a lot of, I think that probably makes sense for a lot of people listening that that's a big hurdle to get over. Now, where you also said um, that you wanted to be seen and that was one of the areas in attentive and and I wasn't seeing you and I wasn't attentive. And so it made her made it way harder. And so it, it's not just purely I'm attentive and I'm paying attention and I'm I'm right all over you and I'm not picking up the signs. It was there was a distance there too. Yeah. So just want to give a, a kind of a more clear picture. Sure. Um but I think maybe I mean maybe now we, you know, so that we're talking this experience was October of 2017. Maybe fast forward a year mm-hmm. um, and we go, we're at a wedding. Our friends, Ryan and Olga, got married down in Merida, Mexico. And again... Um, Do we want to talk a little bit about this, the summer prior to that and a little bit of the roller coaster where... I do. No, I think it's perfect. <laughs> because, so fast forward well, eight just... or nine months after we go through this and we're feeling like, okay, we realize we have potential in our relationship. We, we are like set our intentions that we're going to see the highest in one another and we're going to start letting go of these roles. Um, I was really moving out of the caretaker role in our home that I had, that I had shown up for, for, you know, 15, 16 years and really wanting to start finding how, you know, the gifts I want to share with the world and start putting those out and focus a little more on my work. You were actually turning a little differently where you were turning more from the career based role more to the homemaker 
which was great. But at the same time, I felt very threatened by it. It was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't you come in this kitchen telling me how I need to make lunch and do all the things and whoa, 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 blah. So while I loved it, I was like really threatened by it. And so, but we were having these little bit of a, a role reversals. Yeah, because um, I, I had think no idea. Very common in, in marriages. And I had no idea what I what I wanted to do at that point, like what my kind of mission was. And so I fortunately was comfortable not doing anything, which is very un very unmasculine in some ways. Um, but it was this really awkward time of you know, I'm stepping a little more into a masculine essence. You're stepping a little more into a feminine essence, mm -hmm. more of a nurturing. And I'm stepping in more of a, you know, this is how I want to now show up. And Putting it felt very uncomfortable done, for like, each other. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, aren't you like, be more decisive? And you were like, what, what happened to the coddly, lovey little woman? You know, but anyway, I remember we moved into that summer and um meanwhile let me set the stage i was doing a shit ton of personal work i was about. right so i was balls deep in meditation cold plunge uh being outside with my shirt off in the sun and my feet in the grass and i was doing uh some sort of movement breath work called tibetan rites and i was instead of doing a bunch of right <laughs> Instead of doing a bunch of weight training, I was doing a lot of flow work. And so I was doing stuff with steel maces and Bulgarian bags. And I had to, a lot of it was connecting the breath to movement and being very meditative. And I was doing something called trauma releasing exercises. And All I was, the things. I mean, eh, I was doing a lot of things, which is my nature to go all in. Tip a cow. Right, right. Tip a cow. Tip a cow. And when you're so intent on fixing yourself because you think there's something wrong with you and from Vegas, the experience in Vegas, it just, it created a mirror for me that I was so completely unfulfilled with my life. And I was so shocked that I was because I had, achieved all the measures of kind of modern day Western success. Um, and so that was terrifying to me, but I had to figure out what I had to get to the bottom of it. And so that's where the psychedelics helped. That's where all these practices I just mentioned, people I started to meet were on the same journey. I was drawing in similar people who were really were my teachers, and you've heard some of them on this podcast, Ryan Frisinger, Kyle Kingsbury, Matt um, Fisher, Parangi, um, you know, then Aubrey Marcus. So th there's just been a, a, a ton of these men that just started to show up in my life and were teaching me a lot. Um, I hadn't learned discernment and nuance. I hadn't learned that you can work on yourself and you can still be a part of the family, that you can do both. I, that the all in was this, part of it is this the competitiveness, like I need to get really good at this. Um, but there was also something very innocent about it, like I need to fix myself because I'm, I, I'm done hurting people.
and through some of the men that I've met, they like, he gave me permission to go there and, and, and just accepted me and tried to show me that the only way through it was for me to accept it as well, to accept all the shit that had happened, all the hurt that I had caused, whether it was consciously or unconsciously, it still, it still hurts. And so, you know, here I am intensely investigating why I'm on earth, basically. And I take it into our summertime, you know, we spend eight weeks up in Idaho with a, a, a large group of amazing people. Golf course, there's a lake, there's a lot going on. Um, and I'm gonna do it differently this summer. Like I'm a changed person. Uh, and I came back and I, because I hadn't been weight training and I've been doing other things, I came back 20 pounds lighter. Um, a lot of people were like, what's, what's going on with you, man? Like you lost weight, you look skinny. Um, I had stopped drinking earlier, I think in March. Dude, you're not drinking. Like what's and it's a big party area up there. And so in the beginning, it was really uncomfortable for me because there was like a lot of questions that I didn't have great answers for because at that moment, at that time, I still didn't know what was going on with me. I just knew I had to go and continue to invent. Like, it's like our friend Boyd Vardy says, I just went without knowing, but I just, there was nothing that was going to stop me. And I was going to, I was going to figure this out. And I was willing to risk our relationship because what good is our relationship if, if I'm, feeling like shit about me like what like you need to you know and this is all the stuff I've been learning more as I've done this this inquiry is you got to fix you you got to start with you and so I was just going about it with a with a different intensity than you know I go at it now I still do a lot of work I just I know how to do it within our family well I remember that summer um Perhaps you had traveled to maybe come back to Austin, and I was really struggling. I think I came back at the end of the summer with Jake because he was starting school, and you were staying up there because you're still homeschooling. And I, I remember we had a conversation, and I, uh, I was struggling, and I said, "Cal, I feel like I'm on a roller coaster," and um. It's so intense and I'm just really unhappy. I don't feel connected. It's just, and I remember you being like, are you crazy? You've lost your mind. I mean, totally. look at what I've done. Yeah. You were like, I, I went to the grocery store. I cooked for our family. I, you know, have been doing all my inner work. I've done that, da, 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 da. And I'm like, nope unhappy mm -mm. not not feeling it well, the and, key, and you were like I think you've lost your mind I, I think you're crazy I and I remember hanging up the phone so sad and I'm like I am such a bitch like what is wrong with me like 
look, he is. He's doing all these things. He's trying so hard. What is wrong with me? And I remember I called my coach, Kisma, and I'm like, I'm like, I just, and she's like, what do you feel? I'm like, I feel like I just, I can't breathe and I need to get out of here. And I'm just, you know, I feel like, you know, I'm on a roller coaster with a wheel off. And um, she's like, well, thank goodness that wheel's off because that means you're not going to stay on the ride. Like this is, this is the same intensity that you were experiencing, but, but you're, you know, it's, it's different. It's, it's, um, it's being dismissed because he's doing all the things that you would think would be a great husband and father would do. But what you're feeling is you're not feeling the connection There was none. at all. And, and I wasn't, I was still so sad. I felt still so alone and, but judging myself as being a total, you know, bitch because I had this amazing husband who was like home and showing up and doing all the things, but I didn't feel your presence and I was still hurting. And that was, that was very empty and it was still a problem in our relationship. And that's what led us to prior to this wedding. Well, and I also, I, so I think that was important because you were, you were, re you really tipped the scales. I was, but, but, but you think, you think about what I was saying each time I led with the sentence was I, 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 I was still so focused on me that there, like you said, there was a complete lack of connection, but I, I still, that was lost on me. Now I did come around and understand what you meant by that eventually. Um, and I think this brings up before we get to, to October and the wedding, um, something we were talking about the other day, you know, so I was a trader in Chicago for 18 years and very early on in the relationship, I said, listen, I'm going to have some good days. I'm going to have some bad days, but I want to leave work at work. And when I'm here, I just want to be, you know, da, 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 da. So, so, really well intended. I wasn't like trying to keep anything from, you know, Peyton, but, but what I found in reflection upon that, what I was doing was closing her out of a big part of my life. And so when things weren't going well, I didn't say anything. And when things were going really well, don't worry, I would let her know. Honestly. And, and just to to break that down for, for women, like you basically communicated to me, like, don't ask me how my day was because, because I will have good days. I'll have bad days. And so when I leave work, I want to leave work. So when I come home, let's just focus on the kids, focus on, you know, us, whatever we're doing, but like, don't ask me about work. And so, so, that's what that so here's what happens. And, um, if you, if you happen to listen to my episode with Sheldon Saray, if you haven't, it is so, so amazing. But Sheldon brings this up in the context of, you know, Sheldon was a professional hockey player for, I think, 17 or 18 years. He talks about it in the context of the locker room. Like, you, you know, if you're sad about something, if you're having a bad day, or you don't talk about it in the locker room. It's just not one of those areas where it's expressed. Now in the trading pit, 
or in the trading within your trading team, you can say you're bummed about the way things are going or, or whatever, but you generally to others, you don't express like a sadness you have when things are going really poorly at work and you have a, t you know, so let me give you an example. You have a lot of risk on. So each day you feel like you're about to lose more and more money and you just don't have the ability to change it, or you're not willing to change the risk profile and so you just wear it every day and it, and it it's something that's that's out of your control and somewhat in your control but the the point is is i wasn't sharing any of this with anyone let alone my wife and as 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 me and my brothers from chicago particularly have started to do our own work when things haven't gone well in each of our lives, when it's around vocation, whether it's my buddy who owns the gym up in Akron, my buddy who is a, a, a an investment banker up in um, Dallas, or my buddy who's still trading, when they're sad about something, they don't hold it in anymore. Like we used to hold that shit in. Now we share that, and so with that, we share it with our partners. We ne I never used to do that. Um, and so, again, I just, for, for men out there, think about the ramifications of not sharing that. I'm not saying I'm going to come down and, and break down all the trades I did for the day with Peyton, but w what, I, <laughs> what I could have done is say, yeah, it was, it was tough. This guy was an asshole, but it's fine. And, you know, we, we had, a, you know, Butch and I had a great day today and it was fun and, like, that's a part of my life. It's a big part of my life. And, and for me to be stoic, all I was doing was putting layer and layer and layer of armoring over that part of my life that you had no access to, but was so important to me and to us. And um, I spent a lot of time there. And so I, that that's one of my big takeaways from from our relationship when I reflect back on things that might have been done differently. Um, I just encourage men out there to, to think about um, it could be well-intended. And I really felt like mine by and large was well-intending, but, but downstream it, di it didn't, didn't end up that way. I really just shut you out. Um, and, and what I found as I've continued to do this work is Yes, I need to show up as the rock and the provider in, in that, that that's a that's a role I can play. Well, and I appreciate the masculine essence in you. And the idea is to know when to play that role. And that was the only role I knew how to play. And it was the only role I knew how to play when I started fitness training. I was all in. And um, that's a whole nother podcast. But um, I... I bring this up because, well, yeah, it, it's what your wife really wants is she wants to know the real you. And, and unfortunately, in our culture, that real you is a vulnerable you. And if you're not willing to show her that, and I'm not saying you just walk around in puddles all the time, then you can't hold your shit together. But if you're having a hard time, like, 
she's not going to leave you because of that. And if she does, well, what, what does that say about the relationship? Um, it's all information for you. So for me, it's been a, a big part of my learning is having that discernment when to, to, you know, be the protector of the family and then when to be the one who can cry in front of my kids over something seemingly silly to them. Um, how many times in the fucking past year and a half have they seen me just break down about something and they're just like, what is, what is, what's going on with him? But they see, my boys see that it's okay. You know, they look up to me and they're looking to me to model behavior. Um, and by me being honest about how I feel and they'll listen, as I've done the work, I've been able to have those tears of gratitude. I never had those before. It was just like tears of sadness. I was really bummed about something, like super bummed. But, but today, I, I, it happens often, you know, just out of being in touch with that feeling. So anyway. Well, and you, we can't tell them how to be. We can only show them how to be, right? And we all want to be loved for who we are. Yeah. So let's let's move along to, so this was August where we had this phone conversation that was, I didn't, I thought you were crazy. Yeah, you thought I was crazy. And then I, um, you know, I, I really sat with, well, I had a realization. I had a realization that I hid behind the role of mom a lot. And I hid behind the role of mom very well. It was my excuse to not show up for you. It was my excuse to maybe not um, fulfill kind of dreams of mine. Like, I got to be home. I got to be the mom. Um, I need to stay home with the kids. Um, because when they grow up and leave, where am I? And that hit me. Like, do I have fun with my partner? Do I have fun with you? Do we play together? You know, you would go out of town and I would go on all these adventures with the kids. Again, you didn't get that fun version of me. Um, and that kind of hit me very hard. It's like, shit. Am I going to love this relationship without them? Let me just tip the scales a yeah, little please. bit because you're beating yourself up a little bit. Uh, um but not oftentimes the things that you were doing, it was my preference to not necessarily do it. It was well, my preference. I, I preferred a little more curiosity and adventure yes. and, but that's just where we're a little different. I think that's where we were a little different help today, folks. I'm like two weeks into my surrender experiment and the idea. And if you signed up for my newsletter, you, you heard all about it, but, um, the idea is when someone offers, when the universe offers you something and the universe can come in the form of your kid asking to play a game of battleship by his quirky ass rules, 
you don't say no, my preference, you know, you don't say no, I want to play by the, the normal rules, which is what I would normally say. You catch yourself because it's still your inclination to say no. You say, sure, let's do that. And when your kid wants to play basketball at 1030 at night on a Sunday when you're just friggin' tired and you want to go to bed, you say yes. And as I've been in this experiment, this curiosity has really come out in me in this playful side. And I started to really see where my preferences have been about doing the known and not in in just this these two weeks, the amount of things that I've done that I would normally have said no to in what what has happened from those experiences has been remarkable. And so it's been enough of a sample set for me to realize that I need to continue to investigate why I have the preferences I have. I think part of it is a sense of control. And as I let go of control, I have a lot more freedom and I have a lot more joy and I have way more connection with those around me. And so I bring that up to say, you were doing all these things with the kids. Part of it was because I didn't necessarily want to go to do some of these things or most of them. And so, yes, we were, I am stepping into that space today. So a bit of a happier ending to everyone listening, but, but still it's my work to do. Well, and I, um, prior to our, our trip to Merida that we're going to talk about, um, I had another aha awakening moment. Um, I had been in an energy medicine course for two years and um, we were doing an exercise. So this was part of my inner work, which I think if we, if we share one message in this podcast is do your inner work, do your personal work and then see how you show up for one another. But um as part of my personal journey, I was um, in this course and we were doing something called a, the death rites. And in this exercise, we um, spent the day dying. And I... Happens on psychedelics too. <laughs> it's a lot quicker. Okay. <laughs> um, this was more of an exercise, but, but we did two things. Prior, um, we talked about the roles we played in our relationships. And it hit me, um, the roles I was allowed, I had agreed to, for you to play in my relationship and realized that if I could let you go of those roles that you played in my life, then it would make opportunity for you to now come in and serve new roles in our relationship. So that was a huge moment for me. Like, oh my gosh, it never crossed my mind that you could show up for me differently than how you had been for the past 18 years. And that I could like create this new opportunity for you to come into my life in a fresh new way. I didn't need a new person to come in and fill those roles in my relationship. I needed to allow you that opportunity. So it's a huge, huge moment for me. And then, <laughs> so that was like, Day one. Day two, um, I had to invite four people to my funeral. Um, 
And as I'm naming the people, I stood in front of my class and I started bawling. And I said, I don't, I don't want my husband here because I want to be surrounded by people I know who love me. And I, I doubted, I doubted that love. And, you know, I said it out loud. And so of course the, you know, shaman lean, the course was like, and he's in <laughs> someone play the role of Cal. And, um, did a lot of, of work through this particular exercise. Um, and it was a huge awakening for me. Um, and I shared it with my friend. Um, and every day my friend Lauren would call me and say, have you talked to him yet? Have you talked to him yet? Nope. Nope. Peyton, you got to talk to him. You got to, you got to communicate these things. You got to talk to him. Have you talked to him yet? Have you talked to him yet? And I'm like, no. So I finally called you and I said, or I texted you because <laughs> I was so afraid which is so interesting. Like you're with your partner that you've been with for 18 years. Why is it so hard for me to have this communication with you? Why is that so hard? And part of it was out of, I didn't want to hurt your feelings. Mm. And I was just, I was scared to be that vulnerable. And I remember texting you and saying like, I just recently had this realization and things are not good between us still. And we need to talk. And, you know, I'm thankful for my friends who continue to push and, and hold me to my heart. Um, and I think you were at lunch with your buddies I that got day. One of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten. Um, I was at lunch with Kyle and Aubrey, Kyle Kingsbury and Aubrey Marcus, and I get this text, and, I, and, and my inclination is like, fuck, okay. And Aubrey said, brother, just go in there with no strategy. Just go in, listen. Don't worry about the outcome. It will be what it is. And that advice has been something that continues to come back to me. And for whatever reason, over the past week, I've really tried to dig into that idea of strategy and how often, how often I use it. Um, and you can, I can try to convince myself to say it's well-intentioned, but at the end of the day, it's not allowing for things to be as they could be. And I bring that up because you know we're we're in the process of trying to make some decisions about some things that are bigger decisions um, that we had previously agreed to, but we're just in a different place. And um, I I have the propensity to have the idea and try to shoehorn your, your interests along with it. My idea, you see, it's just like, it's great for you too because of this. Um, 
there's a lot of strategy that goes in, into that. And there's a lot of strategy when I feel there's tension and, um, you know, that time a month ago when, when I had reached out to my friends, there was no strategy. I just went in and said, I'm sorry. I haven't, I haven't been here. I've been here physically, but I have not, I haven't even been here that much physically, even though we were on the self quarantine, but, uh, but in any event, um, one of one of my dear brothers here in Austin, uh, we were on a call recently, and he talked about this this idea of what really works in relationships. And there's like these two axes on the graph. And so let's just say on on one axis is assertiveness, and then the other axis is cooperation. Okay, and so I'm usually pretty assertive. And I'm usually not that cooperative. It's been my my history. So I'm like seven out of ten on assertion, maybe eight out of ten, maybe a three. And so you put that in the graph somewhere. And then you're a little bit the opposite. You're less on assertive, but I'm previous you, less on assertive, more on cooperation. And so we're 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 in this compromise zone. And we, we often hear about compromise. Oh, we compromise on this. And it's, it's considered a, a good thing. Like you came to a compromise. Um, but that's, that's settling. In, in what this particular idea um, really focuses on is a 10 out of 10 on both. And at that point is where you have collaboration. And so to have collaboration... You have to get what you want. I have to get what I want. And we have to be feel good about supporting the other. And that's just having an open conversation and say, what do I really want? And what do you really want? And so what do we really want? And how do we make that happen? And so often, I've, I've never looked at it that way. I've always like felt like I knew the outcome that, we, that would be best for me first, but then for the family, like it's this self-interest. Um, and so the strategy comes in, how do I maneuver to get that particular outcome? Again, even if it's well-intentioned, oh, anything. You know, this ties into the surrender experiment. The surrender experiment has no strategy. The strategy is just to shut up and, and pay attention and say yes. And, and so as I've been kind of, these things have been coming up for me lately, you know, I'm really interested as we're going into this big decision, like how we're able to step into that collaboration space. If we can just come in with no strategy, but we can be very clear about what we really want. And if there's a way to find us get to that place. I don't know. Mm -hmm. We haven't done, done it. Well, worked in practice. Yeah, but I think it's, I'm excited about it because... The previous thing hasn't worked because even when I win and get the out the uh, potential outcome that I was going for, I don't feel like I win because I feel like I've tried to convince and it's not it's not collaboration. It's not we're all in this together. It's I'll go along with it because um, I can be very convincing or just a dick too. <laughs> anyway, shall we talk about? Yeah, so so I think that conversation came up. Um, 
about me really questioning the longevity of our relationship. And um, it was, we had just planned to attend um, Ryan a wedding, and, Ryan, Ryan and Olga's wedding. And um, in Merida in the Yucatan. Um, and I'm like, you just go. Like, I'm out. I'm unhappy. I don't know if I can do this. You came in. You heard me without resistance. I do remember being surprised. And I, like, literally verbally vomited. Like, anything else that was still in in there, I was like, I didn't want you at my funeral. And now you can play new roles. I don't even know if you want to. And I don't have fun with you. And like, I can't play. And I really love to play. Like, ugh, like anything that was in my heart just like kind of came out that day. And you just took it and just let it wash over you. And I, I remember being like <laughs> ready for the fight. You know, I was like, I'm ready. And you just let it wash over you. And I remember being a little surprised by that. But, 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 so I remember being like, you can go to the wedding by yourself. <laughs> However, I was like, dang, we had some really cool spa appointments booked. That was a week <laughs> long too. It was a week long. Memes was already flying in to watch the kids. We had some really cool stuff lined up and I'm like, maybe I'll just go. Cause we were going to do some personal work. We had some couples work. Like we, we already had an intention Tamus cow ceremony, go, which is a yeah. sweat lodge, which is a detox and a mm -hmm. shedding. And, and, and I remember when you showed me the list, I was like, anything with like couples and do, I was like, mm-hmm, we're going to do that. Mm-hmm, we're going to work on that. Mm-hmm, I'm going to do this. Like, I was like, literally all of the, circling all of the, the treatments, all the things. Um, Best resort we've ever been to. <sighs> so special. Steeped in Mayan culture. Oh, it's so called special. Shubli. So special. So reverent. But back okay, to Okay, so anyway, no, I said back, yes to that. No, but back to what you were saying, like I, I want I want all guys out there to just like listen, this was not something I'd been doing a lot. This was like one of the first times I ever just received what you had to say rather than try to make excuses and try to convince you that you weren't seeing it the same way. I didn't necessarily agree with everything the way you saw it, but just because I didn't respond. There like wasn't it, a fight. There, there was, was no fight. fight. And, you know, I also think back about, so I... Um, well, and you heard me. You were able to receive it. It's like Byron Katie. It's like if you come... like You come in with strategy, you're thinking about, okay, where's the hole in this argument? Yeah. All I'm listening for is just a place for me to get in there and change the narrative. Like, what if you can just say, hmm, this is how you feel. You yeah. know, that was oh. before I even had done any Byron Katie's you were work. Practicing. I knew, <laughs> you but, but it also happened recently here. Um, I had uh, hosted a podcast and wasn't as careful as I could have been with the social distancing. We, we tried to observe it and, you know, Basically, uh, there was some tension in the house, particularly my daughter was just upset that basically I'd put her grandmother at risk. Um, and so we had a conversation that night and you shared how 
everyone was feeling and how you were disappointed that you didn't say something. But at the same time, I went in there rather than try to explain, well, that we did this and we was, and it's going to, it was just like, I had felt it. I was like, why did I do that? I didn't need to do it. It could have waited. Like I just received and I, and, and I understood that I couldn't change what had happened, but what I could do is I could do the right thing at that point and I could own what happened. I could do the best I could to never make that happen again and to pay attention. And it was an opportunity also for me to share with our 12 year old daughter who has just great intuition. Like when, if you're feeling anything, your voice is heard. Um, Cause she didn't say anything. Um, but to be fair, she shouldn't have had to, I should have known better. Um, but I didn't. And so the, the fact that you should there means I didn't. So if I would have known better, I wouldn't have done it. And that's well, a whole right. Other. And that being said, you didn't beat yourself up. You accepted just, responsibility for the decisions and move forward and owned it. And I mean, that's something we can all learn from is like that self-acceptance and okay, how, you know, what did I learn from this and how can I move forward? And that's it. Move forward. Yeah. So, and again, I'm glad we're talking about this because it's a reminder for me, like the next time it comes up where strategy wants to come in, doesn't fucking work. What's worked every time is me just listening and it diffuses the fight, whatever's there. It's no battle if it's just one person. Yeah. And, but you're heard, you're seen. Yeah. And I listen to the whole thing and then I can figure out what I need to do to make it better, to make it work for both of us. And it's, and these conversations yeah. are the same when you approach me and I try to receive as opposed to yes. react because I can be pretty intense. With yeah. And we've had a few of well. those. I feel like lately where just shook your head, you've received it and not felt like you're being judged. I think that I think a lot of times when we feel for me, it's dismissed. That's the, my feeling, my sentiment. I think we, we, when I come at you with something like a criticism, mm -hmm. you don't feel like you're being judged. Oh, um, I'm saying when you come to me, oh, I see. I there's see. a, there's some old programming that feels like I'm being judged, but, but I'm not. I'm not being judged. If I feel like I'm being judged, I'm not really listening. I'm afraid of whatever, like, mm. oh no. But if I just take this as information, as you explain to me what's going wrong, mm -hmm. that's amazing. That's great. I'm grateful that you can share with me. Like, why wouldn't I want to know? Yeah. You know, we were talking about this the other day. Um, this can be like a 10 hour podcast. We're going to get to the wedding. <laughs> I think this is an important part. Um, uh, for so long when I would sense this shift in energy from you where, where it felt like I had done something wrong mm -hmm. and it wasn't always that I had done something wrong. It could have been anything, but um, I was afraid to approach because I didn't want to hear what I had done wrong. I didn't want to, as I told you, I didn't want to, I felt like I was in trouble. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that little boy, like I'm in trouble. And, you know, as I've done more kind of thinking in that area and really 
trying to peel back the layers. It's like, why? Like, you're, you're my partner. Yeah. Why wouldn't I want to know what's troubling you? Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a chance it's me. Mm-hmm. There may be a high probability mm-hmm. it's me. Why wouldn't I want to know what it is that I've done that has upset you, triggered you, whatever? You're scared. You were scared. So what's that scaredness doing? It's, it's keeping an outer shell on me. It's keeping distance between us. It's creating, like, this thing's fine. It's going to come out at some point. Yeah. Like, why not just each time you yeah. feel something, why not just go into it? It's never as bad as we think. Ever. It's, 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 but it's that, that little, that, that hurt inner child that is run for me, I feel like is running the programming at that point and he doesn't make good decisions. He just tries to hide and not be seen. Well, I don't know if it's, you know, I don't want to label it good, bad, right, wrong, but it's the, it's the only decision you knew how to cope and handle that situation. So again, it's like that old programming. Right. May not be the most efficient decision to move you forward. Right, but it's like the it's like the coping mechanism sure. of when you're that scared as a child, like what do you do? Yeah. You don't go into it. You don't know what you're gonna get. Yeah. Um, and so you go hide in your room or whatever. You just get avoid out of there. You avoid. Yeah. You avoid, and and unfortunately that does not work. That's useful as a child when there's that stuff going on, but it's not useful in relationships. Yeah. Um, but that's something that I've only within the last couple of weeks sure. come to my attention. Yeah. I came up in the East Forest um, ceremony. Well, and this is what we talk about, like this awakening, you know, these awareness, right? All healing starts with awareness. And so, um, and that healing takes time because you have these moments of awareness. You got to keep your eyes open and your heart open to see them. And experience them. And, so, and just sorry. for people, I, I mentioned the East Forest ceremony. I want to give a little context for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, East Forest is a musician. He's a, in, in my opinion, he's a, an amazing medicine man. Um, I've been posting about his meditations that he's been putting out during this time, but his music is amazing. And so he's been doing every so often on a Saturday, he'll play a three to three and a half hour live set streamed on YouTube um, live and the idea is you go in with a set of headphones on. So Peyton and I went in with headphones, our own headphones, and you just go into this kind of personal inward journey that the music takes you through. Um, And so some people will dabble in psychedelics and some people will do a breath work and some people will just be in the space. Um, It's kind of, kind of pick whatever, whatever you feel called to, but, um, in that particular space, I saw quite clearly um, that both both Peyton and I um, had our inner work uh, to do with it, that that inner child was hurt mm-hmm. and hadn't that trauma hadn't been healed yet, and it was still running the programming. And for me, like I said, I feel like I'm going to get in trouble. And I think for you, you said being dismissed or that um for me I was the peacemaker and kind of the the joy in the family and um 
if I could keep everyone happy, then that was safety. So for me, that's my work. Yeah, but I th feel like for you in our relationship, the, the kind of the, the cord I'm detaching from was this feeling of being dismissed by you in our relationship. Again, my feeling, whether that was true or not, you know, my perception. Mm. But yeah, we, you know, we all have our own. So yeah, we're at the wedding. Forward. Okay. We're at the wedding. So we we de I decided to go. She decided to go and pack some cute outfits, Shan. We got there. We got there like Wednesday. I think the wedding was Saturday. Thursday we have a Tamas Cow ceremony. So it's Peyton and Which I. Which we have done like 15 years ago. Remember? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I talked you into the one. Yeah, and it was a completely different experience because yes. I had no idea. So um, it's a, a sweat lodge. Um, it's a, call it a three hour. Um, the intention of this ceremony is to kind of cleanse yourself physically, emotionally, mentally. Um, and basically even the foundation of the Tamas cow, it's shaped like a womb. Um, you crawl into it. Um, there are elements. You there are heated stones that have you sweat. You're in complete darkness, um, and it's very intentional. It's led by. Um, for us, it was an abuela. Um, she was this unbelievable healing facilitator, um, and we told her kind of nothing about where we were at, but she intuitively picked up on um, all things that needed to be healed individually, relationally. Um, and so, and then as you leave, it's like all the sweat and water that's accumulated, like comes out, like, like the fluids when, when you're giving birth. And it's a, it's this um, kind of metaphoric rebirth. Um, so it's a, a beautiful ceremony and we had no idea really going into it we had this intention in our relationship but we went in and we really received all the the messages that were coming through um and i think we're very active participants in in the ceremony and when we came out Something shifted for me, for us. And um, I remember we were sitting there, you shower and you're showering in the cenote water, very healing waters. And, and we're having our papaya and we're drinking our, you know, water and, and we're feeling all refreshed. And I, I just started bawling. And I remember Abuela, um, Monica and you looking at me like, wait, we've just been in there three hours, like purging and like, what the heck? Why are you, what's happening now? Like, I thought we just kind of let everything go. And I said, I'm like, you know, I haven't worn my wedding rings in months. I, which have, was a surprise to me. <laughs> again, that not being seen and feeling a little dismissed in our relationship, but, um, I had kind of symbolically let our relationship go. I was like, that was my way of just 
letting go. And interestingly, it was scratching me, it was hurting me. And I'm like, oh, see, it's, yeah, it, it was hurting me. The relationship was hurting me. So I said, look, I, I haven't been wearing these, um, but I'm ready. I'm ready to, to try again. I'm ready to let go of all that was and just start over. Like we deserve that for one another and our relationship to just start over. So um, I said, would you consider like cleansing my rings, <laughs> washing them and and maybe like less having this intention of us starting over. And she's like, well, you know, you can do it yourself. We had this whole discussion. And um, we asked if she would guide us in that facilitation. Um, and she gladly accepted. And um, we were just, you know, we got to attend this wedding of, dear friends who it was such a beautiful, loving wedding. So we were just surrounded by all this potential, all this love and this newness um, and their ceremony. And um, I think that just really helped spark that feeling. I know it did for me just being like immersed in their love and, um, feeling that just contagious, I guess, newness. Yeah. And so a couple of days after their wedding, right? Yeah, we had our Monday. ceremony. Yeah. Um, and uh, the abuela Monica had set it all up. It was extremely reverent and everyone on property knew what was happening and they they, as we would pass them on property at the hotel, would put their hand over their heart and bless us. We're thinking about you tonight. Like everyone just understood the importance of what was happening and held us so tenderly and lovingly. Mm. It was unlike anything I've ever experienced. It's like this, you know, we're at this hotel, but we were surrounded by this community of of love who saw, I think, the love that we had for each other that was really trying to surface. Mm. It was really beautiful. Felt very held. Felt very held. Um, and so, you know, we, we were at a kiosk at, the, at a sacred site the day before we bought Hmm. My twelve dollar dress, mm -hmm. and like, you got a shirt, a Gayabara. Is that how you say I it, think or something so, yeah. like that? Um, we're barefoot by the cenote. Very kind of steeped in Mayan culture, mm -hmm. and so it was very ceremonial, very you know ritualistic. There was. She brought out the black obsidian yeah, for us to see true. our shadow, our darkness, and to accept yeah. all, accept all of it and honor, honor all of it. Yeah. And to let go of whatever we had 
perceived judgment, any of that, just to honor it and, and recognize it as part of the journey. Not to shame it, not to wish it hadn't happened, but just to say thank you because it got us to here. And she blessed us, cleansed us, and um, and then we just got to share our wishes and dreams for the newness in our relationship, how we wanted to show up for each other, for ourselves, for each other, with this new start. It's very beautiful. Mm-hmm completely unplanned and so sweet. We got to celebrate with some new friends of ours yeah. that we had met who are still dear friends and um, the bride and groom yeah. celebrated us like, you know, like it was their own yeah. wedding. Yeah. Not to take away from you, but oh, they loved it. They loved it. Um, it's beautiful. And, and, you know, we make a point of communicating. We did not renew our vows. Like this was, thank you so much for those 18 years, but we're making a conscious effort to start over. Marriage number two. We still celebrate the first one. Yeah. Right. Got us to here. Yeah. But, um, I think that is an important part because I think you have to let go, at least for us. And, and I, every now and then the bitterness, the little residue will come up. That's what I wanted to talk about. Like, e- even though the intention is to let go, you know, f- for some, there's still a lot of healing that needs to happen. So your intentions in your, in your mind, this is what you want, you want to, you know, let's just be frank here for, for you and I, there's still, um, some of that residue more for me. (laughs) That's what I mean. I meant, that's what I meant for you to me. And, you know, I'd be lying if I said for a while, I'd be like, Hey, you know, we kind of made this agreement at the wedding. I thought we were like, I'm holding up my end. I'm moving on. Like, um, but I recently came to the understanding that, listen, it's still there. It needs to be healed. I need to be patient. I need to be loving. I need to be supportive because let's be honest, unconsciously or consciously, I put it there. I put that version of me, you know, I, I, I believe that I've grown from that. Um, but when you're, uh, rem- uh, I do something and you're reminded of the old version that didn't see you, whether it's the case or not, I just, I need to be patient with that. Um, cause maybe it is the old version coming back. Maybe it is that the old, the old patterns are coming back, but maybe it isn't. And, um, you spend enough time in that space that I don't know when it, if it ever all goes away, if you ever are able to, I I don't know. I don't know how it works. There's no, there's no playbook for this, but I know for me, my work is 
That's a reminder. This is what happens when you disconnect. Again, it, it, it doesn't matter why you disconnected. You know, we talked about it a bit on the walk the other day. Um, walking and talking. Walking, talking and knocking. But, you know, Peyton had brought up, I was referring to a friend and I said, yeah, I, I told him everybody loves Peyton. Da, 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 and she was sharing me that how that really bothered her, hurt her. She's like, I, I don't want him to know how other people see me. I want him to know how you see me. And this was in the midst of, you know, one of my lowest points. And when I say lowest points, it's how I felt about myself. And knowing what I know now, um, I just question, you know, your inclination is to believe that it's because I, I didn't love you or I didn't have feelings for you. What I wonder is when I'm feeling so bad about myself and feel like a fraud and, and feel like I'm, I'm kind of chasing all this stuff through guys trips and I'm, I'm not going inward. Everything is external for me. Um, how can I honestly and authentically talk about how I love someone when I don't love myself? I don't, I didn't love myself. Um, and, and, and maybe it's different for everybody else, but I, I know for me and I've, I've, I've read this in plenty of books, you can't give others what you don't have. If you don't love yourself, man, like I know that when I get triggered about something, whether it's on Instagram or something, it has nothing to do with that person. There's something about me that's not right. And that's an indication that I, I'm, I'm feeling like there's a scarcity with me. There's that I'm not enough, that I need to do more to be worthy of love, of whatever, fill in the blank. And so... Again, if, if, if you're in a relationship where you're not feeling seen, if you're not, uh, you're, you're not feeling that connection, um, maybe your partner just has completely disconnected from who they are in their heart. And, and, and I don't want that to sound weird and esoteric, but I, I think there's, there's a lot to be said just from my own experience that I, I never intended to hurt anyone um but i was so lost and had i mean to the points of self-loathing you just and i think that's very common unfortunately in the western world it's very common that you just you beat yourself up about every little thing you're not doing and this when you get into that comparative paradigm and you start looking around at other people and you put them on a pedestal you start thinking that you're a piece of shit and um, you're not worthy of love. And um, I'm guessing that that probably makes sense to some people. But anyway. When I sure. do, I think your inner work changed the lens in which you see the world. I mean, not only did I start being seen, I saw the way I felt and saw the way you then saw our children, the chaos, the animals, 
and allowed it to be a space of joy and allow it to fill you. Mm. There was a huge shift. I mean, there was so much we resistance. Saw the beauty, like in things, in which then I started to feel you seeing the beauty in me. The way I acted or interacted with the children or whatever, I felt like I was, you could finally see me. And that was after I think you did your work. It just, it's like you opened your eyes after years. No, that's it. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a waking up and it's a continuing, you know, I, I don't think you just wake up once and you've got it figured out. I think it's, it's, you start to become more conscious, you become more aware, you have a bit of a waking up and sometimes you fall back and sometimes you wake up some more. And it's, it's, you know, in in my short kind of journey of this, that's, it's what I've learned is that it's just a process. It's like being in it and being aware of it. And that's just understand that that's part of the human experience. And do I wish I had started waking up earlier? I don't know. Things are really good right now. So like maybe that changes things. Like I think any, I think it's just, it, it happened how it had it to happen for me. It happens. Um, I'm grateful for your patience and perseverance and. Well, so maybe as we try to wrap, I want to communicate this. I think in relationships, sometimes walking away and 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 saying goodbye is the optimal option. However, I think in many relationships, sometimes we want that version of it to die, to end, mm. and start over, or that version of our partner. And I think that's the part where we get stuck. Because it's not necessarily that we want to leave the person where we want to leave the, this version, this state of our relationship. And yeah. I feel like if, if you can allow that to end and process it as a completion, a death, however you want to word it, a shedding, and find that newness that sometimes it's not necessarily a new partner but a, a new way in which you both show up in the relationship. And I think ultimately that's what I wanted to communicate because I think often in relationships we just get stuck and we get in this um, relation stagnation and we just don't know how to start. And so it's like a relationship how I, depression. How I want to, yeah, right? You just get so ambivalent. So I feel like, one, it's have an awareness, like this isn't working for me anymore. It also always starts with awareness. Acknowledge that with your partner and, and perhaps consider, okay, like how are we showing up for each other and how, you know, in our, in our highest selves and our highest potential, how can we show up for each other that now serves who we are? Because we change every day. I'm changing, you're changing, our relationship's changing. And if we don't 
go with that, we're going to stay stuck wishing it was like it used to be. And it will never be like it used to be because that's not who you are. You have evolved and you've changed and you've got to welcome that change, right? And grow with one another. You have to grow with one another, speak the same language. And, and so if anything, that would be based on my experience, some nuggets I would, I would throw out to say, try on for size, because I feel like even when this residue, you know, surfaces and the bitterness creeps in, at least now we can more respectfully and graciously acknowledge it and say, ah, okay, I see you. I see you for what you are. That's that old pattern. I love the term you use pattern interrupt. Let's interrupt what's happening right now. And how can I either communicate what I'm feeling? Like, oh, it's creeping back in. I'm not feeling good. I'm, you know, um, acknowledge it for what it is. Re- like, you know, let it go and move on. And, um, and just know and have a little grace with myself. Like, it, these things are going to happen. But at least now I can see it for what it is. Um, and continue to, to grow with you. Yeah, and, and what that brings to mind, and we've talked about this before, that version that needs to die is 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 really the, was a reframing of suicide. Right. Um, Share it with you that we, you know, the person who is in that kind of suicide ideation thinks they they physical wants to die, but it, it's 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 just the ver- that version of them in that state that state needs, it needs to die. Yeah. Um, and they've, you know, there was a famous study of people who've jumped from the Golden Gate Bridge and survived. And they talked to all of them and to, to a person, they, they all said the one thought after they jumped was ugh, regret. They didn't want to die. They just couldn't live in that state anymore. Right. And so that just, it go, it's, it's an example of people who, did the thing like jumping off that bridge you think there's a hundred percent chance you're gonna die and so they did it but they survived and so they were able to go and ask them what what was your thought when you jumped and it's like basically like fuck i didn't want to i don't want to die and so it's that they don't physically want to die but unfortunately and again i'm not a doctor or anything like that but that just made perfect sense to me and so well, and that's in the context of the relationship, in medicine. yeah. In the context of the relationship, mm-hmm. it's okay if that version of the relationship needs to die. Who fucking cares? Let it go. Like, mm-hmm. live. What? Like, what does it need now to mm-hmm. flourish? Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I've been trying to imagine for our relationship. Like let it come in and revive, revive yeah, like it. What, yeah. what? Like, we're intending to spend the rest of our lives together, so why wouldn't we try to go for that collaboration on mm-hmm, things? Like, sure. Why would we want one of us to feel that we didn't get what we wanted? It's our fucking life. It's our life. Well, and that's another thing. Again, this could be like 10 podcasts, but this is your life. Like in this form, like why wouldn't you live it the way you most desire. And I remember that's the the day I came to you to say, I'm out. 
it's like, I felt like we knew too much. We respected each other too much to go through the motions. Yeah. It's like, like, this is my life. I'm here to live it. And if we're sad and we're stuck and we're unhappy, like, no. You know, and my dear friend Marilee gave me the analogy. She's like, I just want you to picture you have these little razor blades on the bottom of your hands and I just want you to cut through all that old leather and just cut, cut, cut mm-hmm. through all that, those those things that you feel bound by and just start over because your relationship deserves everything you've got. You deserve that to one another. Stay with it. So I hope if anything, this conversation either gave you the hope to, you know, agree to start over with someone new or agree to start over with one another, but to live the best version of your life, the best version of yourself. And we didn't really get into it, but like, I wouldn't be doing my job as a podcast host at oh. The Great Unlearn <laughs> if I didn't mention question everything. Question all those social constructs, all the conditioning. Question all the ways your mom and dad and, and everybody else has been doing it. What works for you? What do you really want? Don't go by the church's ideas about it. What do you want? And... If you can have an honest conversation about that, you might be able to untangle some things that are actually holding you back. If God gave you permission to leave, would you stay? That was uh, a recommendation in a book. Um, My friend Allison had me read Too Good to Leave, Too Bad to Stay. I think I may mess up the title of that Mm -hmm. book, but that was like a big message I heard in that book, there's some beautiful nuggets, but I felt like that was a powerful one because I feel like some people by certain spiritual constructs feel that they can't leave based on a belief system. Um, yeah, a belief system. Is it your belief systems? Did you do the personal investigation to each of these beliefs? Have you had a direct experience with these beliefs to say that they are yours or are they someone else's that they, you just adopted them because that's what you were kind of told to do? Yeah. Um, self-discovery. And I think we're, we're in it. And I think most people, as they approach their forties, we've talked about that. Yeah. That we approach that. I want to, I, can I read a quote? Yeah, and I had I had a two two last things. I want to read one thing, and then I had one I had one question that someone asked. Oh, okay. How do you want to go? Who? You go first. Okay. You read the quote. I wanted to read a quote, and I'm gonna just grab the question. Make sure by uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, who uh, authored the book The Four Agreements. Um, he also has a book called The Mastery of Love, and in that book, he writes, "Happiness can only come from inside of you." and is the result of your love. When you are aware that no one else can make you happy and that happiness is the result of your own love, this becomes the greatest mastery of love. 
it goes back to can't pour from an empty cup and you can't love if you don't love yourself. I think that's a beautiful message to kind of tie a bow on this conversation. Well, I I can't find the exact question he, Jake asked, but uh, Jake asked. Not our son, Jake. No, Jake Folk <laughs> asked something to the effect of how, how do you communicate when you need your alone time or your mm, time? Great question. Um, and I think, I think it's a great question. I mm -hmm. think, it, you know, in our relationship, uh, it's different than most. I think we've given each other, um, we've encouraged each other to have our alone. Like we, we know the importance of alone time, mm -hmm. the importance of family time, mm -hmm. our relationship time, time with our friends. Sure. Um, and that, that, that each of those buckets need, need our attention. And I know, um, just through the work that I've done that sometimes I just need to be alone. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just a way for me to recharge. Um, and I feel like I, and maybe this is not true, but I feel like sometimes that's harder, can be harder for women, especially mothers to value their time alone without guilt. I could be doing this. I should be doing this, but understanding that, and it doesn't take long, whether it's a, you know, a reviving girls weekend or an hour long bath. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what I do. Well, I think, just but, um, it's so important and it honestly really doesn't take long for you to kind of revive and recharge your love batteries and get back in there. Do you know what this is? No. Oh, surprise, surprise, surprise. Oh, oh no. What is this? This is the letter that Peyton wrote October 15th, 2018 on our wedding day in Merida. Do I get to read yours? Did you write me? No. You didn't write me? I don't know, but no, this just. I bet you did. I, it's perfect. It's behind glass somewhere. Oh okay. Boy. Dearest Cal, tears are falling down my face as I attempt to transcribe my heart senses. The struggles have served me. The pain purposeful, the hurt awakening. I celebrate the crisis as it shook us out of complacency and stagnation. I commend us both for digging deep and doing the heart work and for our willingness to let each other go if it meant thriving in our truth and knowing love. With skin shed, heart pulled open, I came to you raw and vulnerable to receive your love and to give you all of me, my love, my radiance, my honesty. And from a place of love, not fear, I choose you. I choose us. I chose to support our family with wholeness. Here's to becoming our brilliance, expanding our awareness, and serving the greater good together. I love you. 
I thank you. Here's to now. Now, love, pay. That's all, folks. Thanks. Thanks. You've been listening to The Great Unlearn. For more information, please check out the show notes or head on over to thegreatunlearn.com for additional episodes and information regarding events and retreats. If you liked what you heard today, click subscribe and share this with friends that might enjoy our platform. 